Good afternoon, and welcome to the council. I am your host, Charlie Pacello, and boy, do we have a, an amazing show for you today. Uh, we are doing this special broadcast. It is the Veterans Summit Special Series. The council is doing this in collaboration with the Trauma Sensitive Awareness Foundation. And this is part of that special series here at KUHS-TV. Uh, it's a special 10-part interview series dedicated to providing veterans and their loved ones with information, hope, inspiration, and healing. This first-of-its-kind summit will explore cutting-edge treatments and alternative therapies for PTS, TBI, moral injury, sleep disturbance, family conflict, emotional trauma, and so much more. We're talking with mental health experts, veterans, and their advocates are going to be providing answers, resources, and solutions to bring all of our warriors home. And we are just starting the dialogue, and we've been starting the dialogue, and we want you to come and enjoy the conversation and be a part of it and learn more about part two that's going to be debuting in November. This special series is running every Friday uh, from July 24th through September 25th right here on KUHSDenver.com. KUHS, we are the stream. We are broadcasting live here in Denver, Colorado. Um, on this platform, we are reaching not only all the places here in Colorado in this beautiful state, but all across the nation and all around the world. We are being listened to by so many people from so many different countries on six different continents. People tune in every Friday here for this, uh, for this program, and we are so thankful to each and every one of you who tunes in every week uh, to listen to the council. It is our honor to be, uh, to be a part of your day, and thank you for, uh, for sharing your time with us. Now, as a as a as a veteran, I uh, you know this is a special series that I just am uh, I'm so passionate about and wanting to give so many people an opportunity, uh, veterans, their loved ones, other people, to learn about the things that are out there and available for them to be able to help them with their invisible wounds. Uh, the wounds that hurt their heart and hurt their soul, that are uh, the injuries that where blood doesn't flow, as we heard in a couple episodes back, and, and being able to tap into the, those deeper realms of the heart and the spirit. A lot of the times we know what to do when we have a wound that's on our arm or our leg or something. We see that. We know how to do that. And we immediately go into, well, I got to put a bandage right here and I got to put some ointment and, you know, I got to stop moving it right now and not use that muscle until it heals for a while. And we understand that when it comes to physical injuries and ailments. And we have a lot more difficult time on what to do with some of those invisible wounds that hurt our heart that uh, where maybe we had to uh, betray our conscience. We didn't listen to the dictates of our conscience. So we were put in situations where we had to do things that maybe we didn't want to do, but we had to do it out of duty or obligation or uh, commitment to you know, protecting our, 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 the lives of our brothers and sisters. And, and so we carry some of those, uh, those wounds with us, and they alter our perception of ourselves. They alter the perception of uh, the way we uh, interact with others, our relationships. They impact that, and it can be devastating. These things can absolutely be even more devastating 
than our physical injuries, the emotional, the mental, and the spiritual wounds. We live on four planes of existence. We live on the physical plane, but we also live in the mental, emotional, and spiritual plane. And those planes are behind the eyes. And they can have such a, so much more of an impact in our, in our physical world because what goes on behind here, we tend to project and, 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 and look for reinforcement as, as a mirror to what's going on on the inside of us. So we're here to help. We want to help. That's what the purpose behind this series is, is to give veterans that hope that they need, that they so deserve for having served our country and, and, and helping people all around the world for freedom and, and justice and democracy. And so that's why we're doing this. And so it is my privilege and honor to introduce to you my guests for the show today. Uh, I've known them for a, a few years now. They do some amazing work at Horses for Heroes. And um, wait till you hear the work that they do and, um, and the things that they offer to help veterans uh, to reclaim the aspects of their lives that they may have lost. Uh, our guests are Nancy DeSantis and Rick Iannucci. Nancy DeSantis oversees the program administration and development for Cowboy Up and Wisdom Way for Warriors. She is a certified equine gestalt coach and the founder of Wisdom Way for Warriors, a holistic coaching program available at Crossed Arrows Ranch through Horses for Heroes in New Mexico. And Rick Iannucci is a retired U.S. Marshal and former Green Beret. He is Horses for Heroes, New Mexico, executive director and instructor. He's also a rancher and ordained priest of the Celtic Catholic Rite. He currently serves as the chaplain and chaplaincy section chair for the National Tactical Officers Association and the Santa Fe Police Department, and is part of the critical incident debriefing team. Both Nancy and Rick received the 2014 New Mexico Humanitarian Award. Their website is www.horsesforheroes.org. That's H-O-R-S-E-S-F-O-R-H-E-R-O-E-S.org. Horsesforheroes.org. Welcome to the council again, Nancy and Rick. Thank you for having us, Charlie. Oh, it's my pleasure. It really, truly is. Um, mm -hmm. I would love for both of you, you know, you have the, uh, to share the work that you do with Horses for Heroes. And, uh, you know, I knew what this work would be exactly perfect for this uh, Veteran Summit series. And I think it's so important what you do. But before we get there, could you both share a little bit on how you came together and decided to form Horses for Heroes? I'll let Rick go ahead and lead on that one. <laughs> I, you know, Charlie, I, I, I don't think that uh, we actually formed it. It's actually kind of formed us uh, on a phone. We were, Nancy and I were running a, uh, a 4-H leadership program for kids out on our ranch in, in New Mexico. Um, the kids being, especially ranch kids out here, being a very underserved population in New Mexico. And um, on a phone call, a friend of ours had asked us, he said, hey, Ricky, she said, you're the only ex-Green Beret cowboy I know. Do you think you and Nancy <laughs> could 
take a couple of veterans that are coming back from Afghanistan at the time. This was going back to 2007, eight. And she said, uh, I think it would do them a world of good. She said, I'm, I'm doing therapeutic variety. She said, but I have to tell you, I don't even know what to say to these guys. I work with kids that don't speak. So do you think you could get them out to the ranch? And so Nancy and I looked at each other and said, the only response to that is, when can we get them and how long can we keep them? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then with game on, man, I mean, it's, that's 12 years ago and wow. it's a little longer now, uh, 13 years ago, you know, so um, that's kind of how it was. And the thing about it is, Charlie, it, it, as I said, it formed us in such a way is we always did two things. We listened to what the veterans were saying and we did something that's pretty unique. We not only listened to them, but we heard what they were telling us. Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. second thing is, mm -hmm. is that we trusted that the Holy Spirit would guide us, and uh, we're not we're not a proselytizing bunch, but we do believe in, in that, it, as our Native Americans call it, the great mystery that guides us mm -hmm, here. Mm -hmm. uh, we're surrounded by reservations and Native Americans here, mm -hmm. and uh, so that's infused uh, a lot of how we view things. It's it's informed. Uh, how how we uh, how we've operated and basically how we've not run not only our personal lives and our spiritual lives mm -hmm. but how we run the program. Well, I think that's a, you know so important for people to have a, a deeper connection to something greater than themselves and something that is a mystery beyond our, our own lives. And, and, and we've become such a reductionistic, materialistic society that we forget <laughs> those aspects about us that are, are beyond that, that are eternal, that, that go beyond the sense of, you know, this is it. You know, why would we be given? I always think to myself, why would we be given the, the gift of consciousness if it was only to go ahead and be dis to disappear? Why? What would be the point? Life wouldn't have that. There would be no, that would serve no purpose uh, for a life that is constantly expanding, growing, and evolving. And Rick, you said something that I really loved is that you asked veterans themselves about the things that were important to them that to help them to infuse, you know, in your program. And because you're a veteran, former Green Beret, military, what do you think is probably because of your experience uh, is the most significant challenge, quandary that veterans face when they're coming back from, from war or from service? Well, actually, this is something I learned from my Nancy. She coined it way better than I could even put it into words because I was looking at it from, from inside my, you know, my, my experience. But mm -hmm. Nancy looked at it very differently. She said, it's real simple. When you go into the military and all the things that you were, are, did, the warrior that you were, you armored up. Mm -hmm, she mm -hmm. said, one thing that we need to do with these guys and gals that are coming home from this, from, from what was an operational tempo that was absolutely brutal is armor down. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Nancy, could you share a little bit what that means, armored down, uh, and expound on that just a little bit for us? Of course. And I actually, my husband credits me, but I have to credit our dear friend, Ben King, who has created Armored Down. He was in the Army, and he himself, a veteran, understood that very deeply. To, you know, the Army armors you up, 
but it does not armor you down. And when I heard him speak that, it's what Rick and I, of course, saw, mm. you know? And in addition to that, that armoring down is what we address on many levels. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about quandary, Charlie, really that's uncertainty. And there's a lot of uncertainty for veterans who are transitioning out of the military. Mm -hmm. And a big, large piece of that is who am I now? When their identity was, mm -hmm. I'm a soldier. And I have a lifelong, I had intended a lifelong career here. Mm -hmm. And who am I now that I'm, you know, ETSed out and with a medical leave? And so this brings a lot of uncertainty. And that's just one of those, those level levels. But it's one of the deepest ones besides grief that we saw. But for them personally, you know, uh, the military is so structured and everything mm -hmm. is taken care of for them. And so when they come out, they're kind of like maybe a fish out of water. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. right. Well, yeah, yeah, you feel totally. You're exactly right, Nancy. You feel like a fish out of water. What do I do with these skills? How do I, you know, what do I transfer over into civilian life? How do I do that? And not only that, I feel sad on the inside. and I've got this ache and this hurt and and sometimes you're dealing with core soul wounds, you know, maybe it was uh, feeling like you, uh, you you failed to do something in some way. And and now as a consequence, people paid the price. You know, a lot of officers can feel that way. Like I've I, you know, led my men into do something or my uh, women as well into do something that uh, costs lives or that injured people, innocent people along the way, or, you know, and I'm carrying that, or people that got caught in a firefight and maybe had to, you know, saw some things that really are plagued them and, and haunt them because of what they witnessed and saw. Um, what are some of the core wounds that you see in veterans that, that they have to confront uh, on their return journey home? So one of those things, that moral injury that you're speaking of, has to do also with their mission, right? Veterans are mission-oriented, mm -hmm. so they're now without that purpose, and that needs to be fulfilled as they work on those interior wounds or interior injuries, you know? Um, and forgiveness is a very large part. Mm -hmm. We help veterans to one, forgive themselves as well as the other. Mm -hmm. Because when we cannot befriend ourselves, mm -hmm. it, we have a very hard time adjusting anywhere, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And maybe maybe Rick would like to add something on this. I know he speaks quite eloquently on forgiveness. Mm. You know, um, we, I think forgiveness, first of all, the, the biggest part of that is uh, you you expressed it pretty well, Lieutenant Pacello. <laughs> <laughs> that was a whole long time ago. But <laughs> yes, yeah, that was a, no, but, no, no, but you, uh, hit, you, hit, you hit on all cylinders kind of quickly. And a lot of what you say is what we found um, and identified. And that's how we started identifying uh, the, and, and, and basically uh, when we had veterans coming in, um, and they were being rated by then the DSM three, four, and five. Mm -hmm. We started, Nancy and I are looking at each other saying, and she knows it very well. And she said that we're saying, uh, we're not seeing that at all. Mm -hmm. What we're seeing is something entirely different. Mm -hmm. And then we coined the term, the other side of PTSD, post-traumatic spiritual dissonance. Mm -hmm. 
And we've lectured all over the world, including Israel, uh, about this particular uh, dilemma that, mm -hmm. that they are in. Because we don't even want to call it disorder anymore. I think we call it dilemma now. Yeah. Um, but I think part of it is the first thing is when the veterans come here, they have to acknowledge basically what the reality of their particular situation was in a real way. And I'm not talking about a DD-214 acknowledgement. That's no. paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about an inner mm -hmm. conscious that you're speaking of, the conscious that woke you up and said to yourself, when that when you become aware of that portion of, of, of like St. John of the Cross, the dark night of the soul, mm -hmm. and, and you and you all of a sudden wake up and you just can't run away from yourself. So first of this is acknowledging it and um, it, that there are unseen wounds and that you are injured in a, in a different kind of way. Mm -hmm. Not that you're unfixable because Nancy will go to go to the mats with you for if you say I'm broken and I'll never be fixed again. Mm -hmm. She's, you know, um, the second is to determine what degree and what way you were injured, mm -hmm. how you may have injured others, and acknowledging that. Mm -hmm. Is it something that you did, something that you said, something that, as you talked about before, about betrayal of compassion by command, mm -hmm. in your case, like you're, you're saying, that may have occurred. Mm -hmm. um, and then what we have to work on in order to be for whole wellness, whole wellness to, to, to be in effect is, first of all, understanding that you are forgiven mm -hmm. and that you have to also, the trickier part is not only forgiving yourself, but forgiving others. Yeah. Now, yeah. when they, when, when we talk to the guys about that, they say, I could never forgive them mm -hmm. for killing our guys and for doing this. And, that. and I said, that's not the point of forgiveness. Mm -mm. The point of forgiveness is to unpack that, that, um, burden and let it go, get it out of your ruck. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, as long as you maintain that and you're humping around that unforgiveness in your ruck, you're still their prisoner. Yeah, yeah, so true. And, and until, <laughs> and until yeah. you let that go, yeah. then, you know, that, once you do that, uh, that that's that's the biggest part. You know, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh says, you enter the path of transformation when you get to when you begin to practice the things you pronounce, mm. and and that is what you have to pronounce when you pronounce, I forgive you, mm -hmm. I forgive myself. Then you're on then you're on the road, as Thich Nhat Hanh says, to to that kind of wholeness and wellness and well, healing. And it is, and it's a journey. Uh, you know, I know for me, yeah. uh, Rick, and you're, 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 what you're saying is exactly right. The, the forgiveness is such a profoundly mystical experience it's beyond our understanding but when you're finally able to really truly forgive uh, others and forgive yourself i mean that's a such a big one and i know i had such a hard time trying to work that through within myself for some of the things mm -hmm. that i chose to do or got caught up in doing and boy but when i saw what it was doing to me and when I recognized mm -hmm. that forgiveness was, was, you know, I was in a battle between my dark side and my light side. That if mm -hmm. I didn't forgive, that I was, it was really about me putting my darkness on the, on the cross, uh, to use another example. Because it was making me into this very ugly person by holding on to this anger, by holding on to this resentment, by holding on to it. And it is a journey. And it's a necessary journey. Which leads me to wanting to talk to you. You said something about post-traumatic spiritual dissonance. 
Uh, I love it. What is post-traumatic spiritual dissonance and how does it differ from traditional definitions of PTSD? And then how, as well as a corollary, how do you address this with the veterans that come to you? Well, we've been talking about, I'll let Nancy talk a little bit more as how we address it and then I'll, ju- and then I'll jump in. Okay. So you want me to talk how we address it? So first of all, I think we have to start with the traditional PTSD. Largely ignored are the two words of trauma Mm -hmm. and stress. Mm -hmm. And so that's our diving point. But our diving point actually is when we work with veterans because there is completely no one size fits all. Everybody comes to the table with it differently. So when people come to us, we don't ask them, what is your PTSD? But when they say, I have PTSD, I respond, do you have PTSD or does PTSD have you? Mm. It's very different and it changes the dynamics. Mm -hmm. So we address it on those levels. But as you know, we call it post-traumatic spiritual dissonance, Mm -hmm. which is of spiritual of the human essence. So it can include one's belief system, but it, com- com- it includes us as human beings on this plane, spiritually, and whole, mind, body, spirit. So it encompasses many different layers. It encompasses then your identity, your loss of mission. Mm-hmm. It encompasses all those griefs. Um, you name it, it encompasses it. And so we have the individual identify it themselves. It's not up to us to define them. And in fact, we don't want those labels because they've been so dysregulated and um, despicable, really. (laughs) It really has. You know, it's 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 disempowering. It's totally disempowering. It's disempowering. It's disempowering and it's it's not authentic. Mm -hmm. So we help individuals find the core of who they are because what they did and how they did things is not who they are as a human being and that light spirit that we all are. Mm -hmm. If we have a sign, Charlie, on our um, uh, in our chapel, we uh, you can see our gallery, our chapel gallery. Horsesforheroes.org will have a with our gallery. Uh, you'll see our chapel, mm-hmm. and one of the things that we have there is a sign. We were trying to encapsulate exactly what what it meant to have post-traumatic spiritual dissonance, mm-hmm. and we found it in in the New Testament in Mark nine twenty four, where he says when Jesus asked the uh, the soldier there to heal his son who has PTSD and he says yeah. this can only be cured if you pray and if you believe and the soldier says to Jesus I believe help my unbelief yeah. and uh, <laughs> yeah. we have a sign a wooden sign that's over our altar inside our chapel that says exactly that because wow. what we're seeing is a lot of um, the spiritual dissonance creates a situation or, or, or stems from a situation where they were spiritually disenfranchised, mm-hmm. either self, uh, uh, a self-emulation, so to speak, because they couldn't cope with what they had done, mm-hmm. saw, allowed to happen, 
um, or when they came back, they were disenfranchised or disassociated or uh, disowned or disavowed by their congregation because nobody in there quite understood exactly what had happened to them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the those old those old uh, mores and situations in the in their in their former denominations were now back were no longer valid. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So trying to bring them back to a sense of spiritual self mm -hmm. is the actual key. And how do we do that is very different. I'll let Nancy talk to that. And what what that what we also refer to as spiritual is that aliveness. Mm -hmm. Because with trauma, we no longer feel alive. No, nope. Also, we don't feel embodied because spiritual dissonance can also mean that disconnect from self or disconnect from others mm -hmm. in our family and society, mm -hmm. right? And um, when you talk about my moral injury, it doesn't encompass a lot of things like military sexual trauma. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really... Um, encompass a loss of a battle buddy unless it maybe had something to do with you know right or wrong and it also doesn't encompass things like our things that are happening back home back home when the veteran is or the soldier is downrange mm -hmm. you know when like a wife running off or something happening with the kids now all these are parts of a layer that can't be ignored because they're all part of us. And so it's really important to address that. So when we have all these different things happening, and these are just to name a couple of those, right? When we have all this, our system becomes overwhelmed mm -hmm. and we disconnect mind, body, spirit. Mm -hmm. So it's not just from the cognitive mind. And so what we have to go in and address is on a physiological level, cognitive level, emotional level, mm -hmm. social level, as well as spiritual level. Mm -hmm. You know, you just, you can't leave anything in the mix out because they are unique to us as human beings and all the systems that run us mm -hmm. and our connecting. Absolutely. And being connected to, you know, I, I love, you know, there's so many, so much good, great information in what you it were saying right there. Human beings that are mentally totally disconnected. Yeah. When you're disconnected, we have to make our way back. And we do that through mind, body, spirit. And yeah. the body for us is the biggest key, a very big key. Well, and that connection is, like you were just saying, is so important. And, and the rapture for life, that's what we're longing for. That sense of connection, that, feel, that I'm, I'm okay to be alive, that it's good to be alive. Like my life has purpose and meaning. And a lot exactly. of times we get so caught up into that suffering and feeling unforgivable, feeling like what we've done or seen or been a part of or the things that we lost will never be recovered, that uh, life has lost all meaning and purpose. And if you don't understand those different layers that are connected to ourselves, uh, you're only going to be a t um, dealing with the mind because that's often what most people, most, most therapies do, do is they're just dealing with the mind element of it. And the mind and the story. Right, <laughs> exactly. And that's, not the, that, that's only one part of us. We are so much more. We, and you've got to treat the whole person and the individual and the veteran, I think. Nope. Oh. 
Sometimes that happens. I don't know why. But, uh, but when we're working with technology, we've got sometimes people decide they want to call in during the interview. Um, anyway, you know, one of the things is uh, and our, our therapies and the things that we're doing to help our veterans are not working as well as they could. And here's the reason why. One of the reasons why we did this program is because of the astonishing figure of 22 veteran suicides a day. I mean, this is the Department of Defense. These are their numbers. I was hoping, uh, Nancy and then Rick, if you could address this for our audience and, and what you think the significance of this is and what's, why, why is this so high? So I had read an article several years back in the New York Times, and they quoted 85% of military suicides have not seen combat, combat and 52% have never even deployed. So I had to ask myself, then how is it they're coming away with PTSD? Now, of course, the unaddressed issues of what we've been discussing here on our show together are a big part of it, so those are unaddressed. But um, through our work, we did notice, and through my research, a big portion as well has to do with the current treatment, which includes copious amount of medication. And that just doesn't um, address the wounds. It may, it's attempts to, to deal with symptoms, but never the cause. Mm -hmm. And medication has been proven not to, um, to help cure PTSD. And maybe, may, and many people don't feel that it can be cured. So what we have to look into is bringing people through wholeness by addressing those unaddressed wounds mm -hmm. and also understanding if they're gonna take medication, it needs to be informed consent and they need to know exactly what's going on with medications, no side effects, mm -hmm. and, and particularly understand the withdrawal effects. So what Rick and I do is we work with veterans to advocate for themselves. So they know when they're sitting with their therapist and counselor and psychiatrists that they can go in armored with questions. Okay, maybe if you're wanting to give me medications, what's the plan to get me off of these? Mm -hmm. You know, and what are those um, side effects? because whew, I've noticed that you're actually treating me for depression and insomnia, and that's a major side effect of, of some of the drugs that you've given me. So between that and the unaddressed causes, um, and grief being a high big one of those, and identity, um, is what we have seen. And that overwhelm that individuals experience and when somebody feels overwhelmed by the layers of life just look at covid okay so you have somebody that's working home who's a veteran and maybe their wife is working in the hospital system and they have children so now they've got those hats trying to get work done and then they have their experiences that they're trying to work through through their their combat experiences and getting together and wow my world is just getting overwhelmed and feels heavier and heavier and heavier and it can be all encompassing to where somebody feels to the point of hopeless mm -hmm. and suicide is where we feel hopeless yes and that's what anybody mm -hmm. working with any individual who feels hopeless has to work with them to get them back engaged 
and to be able to, you know, name and tame what's going on in their world to begin with. Mm -hmm. Oh, I agree. A couple, I agree a, couple, a couple of the things uh, to add to what Nancy's saying is uh, one of the things that we just when when she, after um, we looked at those articles, the other thing that we did was we said, what can we do with what we have? Where I was reading uh, Father Matt Fox's book on creativity at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things that we decided to do, coincident to that, we got a call from one of the Marines from that was in the Marja um, uh, in Afghanistan. And they were losing a lot of their guys to suicide, an inordinate amount of guys to suicide. Um, so I said to myself, how can we mitigate this? And one of the things that we started doing was we said, if we can help them come back together and reconstitute the teams in an imaginative way using creativity, because we know not everybody's going to come out here and leave here as a working ranch cowboy, right. even though we have a working ranch. So we said, let's focus on some creative cognates and see if we can't get them back to doing um, as we reconstitute the teams. Um, the second part of that is, uh, so one, one of the things that we ended up doing was we started something called Resilient Warriors. Mm -hmm. Knowing that what Nancy said was true, 85% and, the, and then an additional 52% had never seen combat, um, what we started working on was let's not worry about your military history, your background. Let's deal with the situation at hand. Let's admit it. Let's get the teams back together, reconstitute them, and then empower those guys who've been through the program to start bringing other guys in as they started, um, as they started rotating out. And, mm -hmm. and you know, once once they've gone through a, a, a training evolution here on the ranch, again, every. Everything we do is totally free. We're a 501c3. They pay for nothing. All they have to do is tell me what flight they're on, and we pick them up at the airport. <laughs> you know, so, That's great. <laughs> so, so one of the things, and you'll see it on, on our website. Mm -hmm. We did Resilient Warriors. We started with uh, bringing in the five top chefs in Santa Fe and letting these guys work and empowering them to work with uh, breaking down primal subprimals cooking for each other, mm -hmm. doing for each other, caring for each other, um, unlocking that beauty that uh, an attitude of gratitude mm -hmm. will allow you to transcend overwhelm, transcend despair, and basically kick hopelessness in the ass. <laughs> <You know>? so, <laughs> I like that. I like that, Rick, when, a lot. Absolutely. When you, you know, yeah. hey, look, when Father Rick speaks, that's how we roll. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. When Father Rick speaks, that's how we do it. <laughs> but anyway, if, if we get him to return to that sense of wonder, yeah. that's what we're going to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Charlie, can I just add something? Because I, I sure. believe that you'll get active military listening to your show as well. Yeah. So I think it's it's important not only to bring awareness to the suicide, but I don't and I'm not gonna harp on the medication, but I want people to be aware that medication is actually given to active duty soldiers. And it's a big problem, and it's been happening since 2005, 2007. Wow. So it's a big thing. So when you look at why there is this active duty, yeah. besides medication, they need to have those well 
uh, being practices. Like mm -hmm. the Greeks used to, when they came home from battle, yes. they used to shake vigorously, mm -hmm. get that mm -hmm. adrenaline and cortisol and, and signal the HPA access to say systems down, we're good to go. Mm -hmm. Rather than living 25 hours with that running through the body, which does a lot of damage, especially mm -hmm. when you have multiple uh, deployments and like day in and day out, you know? So one um, experience of an IED or a combat shooting is like 10,000 hours. Mm -hmm. Try that every single day. Oh God, yeah. You know, so we have to yes. do things that are healthy for our bodies mm -hmm. to assist our minds. And implementing those things while downrange and active are actually, um, are, people are capable of doing that. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think, you're, you know, people don't often realize that trauma gets locked in the body, you know, that it gets locked up in there. You're frozen. I mean, you're literally frozen in that mm -hmm. moment in time, uh, mentally, emotionally, physically, and it's locked up in your mm -hmm. body. And, <clears throat> you know, in the animal world, they'll, if, they're, if they're in a moment of danger, uh, like a gazelle or, you know, an alliance approaching, yeah. they'll freeze in that moment. When the day, but when the danger passes, then they'll run around in a circle real fast to shake all that, that trauma off, and then they go mm -hmm. back to grazing again. So they don't have that. Right. And so when right. we go into war, we don't do that, or, or combat or service or anything like that. We don't shake it when we've been overstressed and our mind and our body has been overwhelmed in so many ways. We don't, we don't allow ourselves to shake it off and move through it. And it's so important. It's so incredibly important. And the Greeks were right in that. And, uh, you know, I, I love the Greeks, as you both know. And, uh, you know, they, they, were, they, they wanted to communalize the healing process through theater, through uh, ceremony, through ritual, through those things yes. to, to, to let that pollution go off. In the same thing in the Judeo-Christian, uh, Moses wanted them, the warriors, to get cleaned before they came back into the into the tribes, and so that's all that's it's in our history, but we forgot it somehow. And I love that you're reinstituting it in your way, and you're doing it with horses. You're doing it with uh, with uh, the equine therapy. Um, could you share with us, Nancy and Rick? Um, what you do with uh, with the horses? How does being around a horse specifically help to bring healing, restoration, and balance in the individual who's been suffering from these traumas, or his or her from the traumas of his or her past? Well, we work with horses on many different levels, and when we first start out, we really work about building that relationship with the horse because. Once you build that relationship with the horse, you can begin to build that relationship back. So like the Native Americans said, the horses are the bridge between the spiritual world and the physical world. Wow. So we utilize that and work with them. So we begin through grooming practices. And the most important piece, if I only have, you know, a couple hours to work with somebody or, you know, 30 minutes, I'll put them in a round pen with my horse. And the, I offer them an experience where they can become embodied, where they can practice 
working with breath and actually have the physical experience as well as witness what that course does. It's kind of like a biofeedback. Mm -hmm. My aim is to assist that veteran to get back in their body. So embodied practices are our key number one um, factor in beginning to work with somebody because it's about getting um, connected again, right? Because when you're disassociated, then everything is more outside of your awareness. So to be in oneself in this capsule is where we have the power to, um, to be aware and to sharpen that capability. And it's needed for everything. So when stress arises, if we feel it in our body first, then we can be able to put that pause between stimulus and response, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. so, so important, it, yeah. That is the key factor. Yeah. And then in addition, we can work with the horses on more of those spiritual levels, as well as addressing those um, things like grief and identity mm -hmm. and where am I going from here? And so I'm a Gestalt, equine Gestalt trained and so that is all about wholeness and bringing the person back into that. Mm. See, we as Gestaltists, just like our horses, see individuals as whole, perfect beings. We do not see brokenness. And so it's our job to assist the individual in uncovering their truth and their own wisdom because that is when they will have that buy-in. And once they are connected to themselves, then they have a footing and a grounding of which to continue to launch their growth and their journey and their journey to healing. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. <laughs> That's really beautiful. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I, and I love, I've always loved horses, you know, even since I was like a little kid uh, and, and uh, I think my, you know, my dad got me a horse when I was a young boy. And I just, so I've always been amazed by their majesty and magnificence and, uh, and their groundedness. They have this uh, epitome of strength and power and gentleness all combined into one. And they can really sense what's going on around them. And so have, have horses been used for a long time um, uh, you know, in our history and dealing with uh, mental and emotional and physical well-being, have warriors relied on their horses in the past to to get better? Um, you know, from personal accounts, they have from stories and quips I've heard of soldiers in battle when they actually worked with, you know, those horses were their primary source of transportation. But it was that um, that relationship with the horse. There was a movie, what was that movie? War Horse. That's oh. <laughs> a perfect example. So, you know, there may not be research from way back when, yeah. but we have personal account stories from the past. I mean, even if you look at your own history or Rick's history, he's had horses since he was 12 and always had them throughout his career as a special forces, as well as U.S. Marshal. And they were his ground point. So now we're able to capture, you know, research and stuff like that. But it's those personal stories that are just so beautiful. And then with my mentor, Melissa Pierce, 
She actually is one of the pioneers in the human and horse healing um, modalities of this. And mm -hmm. a true gestaltist and a master at what she does as a psychotherapist and a gestaltist. And so she created the um, equine gestalt coaching for us to be able to assist every everybody, whether you're a veteran or non-military, because they have these this gift to assist us in in bringing healness, mm -hmm. healing to us. There's that pure majesty. Mm -hmm. You know, you're stepping into the Zen zone of a horse, which is that power of the present moment. They're the original Gestaltists because <laughs> we were true. in the present moment, right. just like original uh, somatic therapists. So it's it's just a beautiful mix. Mm -hmm. And so as far as history, you know, reading personal accounts and diaries, those are the fun things, but I, I can't quite come up like with a, a quip right now. No, I think or, that's, or, I think that's perfect, you know, and, and I think and you've, you just your personal experience and what you just said, and then Rick's experience and this lifelong uh, relationship with the horse. And everybody who I've ever, who has ever been around horses has felt that, knows that, senses it. And they're transformed by it. So why uh, are the horses such magnificent healers and teachers? Is it because of this grounded presence that they have? Is it this, uh, what is it that, that trans, what gets transformed in us? When you come in with a veteran and they see a horse for the first time and they haven't been around a horse at all in their life, uh, what happens to them? What, is, what is, gets transformed in him or her? So first, what we have witnessed is the sense of awe, for one, yeah. you know, that 1,200-pound um, <laughs> ingested animal is quite the presence. So they're in awe of them. And there's another level, which is more scientific, which is proven. You know, horses are herd animals, and so they actually co-regulate with us humans, we become in their herd. So they operate at this beautiful Zen state, this, this level of peace and mm -hmm. solitude. And that, because they can co-regulate, they bring us up to their level, oh, right? Wow. So think about yourself yeah. when you're maybe upset and anxious and you go home and it's like, oh, you know, I could tell Charlie's upset. Let's just let him have some space, right, right? Right. So if you stepped into with a horse, the horse would perceive that, interpret it, and respond. And wow. they want to naturally bring you into this area of exist with me where you're calm, cool, and connected. Mm -hmm. And I, as a facilitator, and Rick, as a facilitator, can do that and help them assist in that realm as well. But it's such a beautiful thing because, I mean, one of the biggest things we work with, of course, is the anxiety, which mm -hmm. is a charged nervous system. Mm -hmm. So the horse is perceiving that. He feels it with his body, and he could tell that the mind and the heart are, you know, incongruent. Mm -hmm. And so they work, we work all together to bring mind and body together and bring that system, that nervous system back into regulation mm -hmm. and that's the key is working with the nervous system mm -hmm. because sometimes working up here 
keeps us agitated. It does. So you have to go to the body and the distance. And so we capitalize on that. And the horses showed us that Mm -hmm. in a very non-judgmental way. And they create this safe space, Charlie, that is what we call the brave space. Mm, I love that. I love that term, the brave space. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's great. Please share it. Please share it. I want just uh, what, what is the brave space? Yeah, what Rick. is that? Oh, I mean, Rick, go ahead. Well, I I think these are the things that we feel are the key components to resilience, mm-hmm. and that is providing um, the safe place. And as Nancy said, in conjunction with our four leggeds, the brave space that then allows them to start the process of armoring down. Um, uh, the critical thing too, the keys to working with the veterans people have to realize is there's three elements that we stand on that are probably, um, you can't, uh, they're the key is com- the most key components of, of dealing with it. If you took, take nothing away from this talk with us, uh, although Nancy has been brilliant, she's brought a lot to the table. <laughs> Once you, I want you to remember three things, and that is, if you, the, the veterans, and this is the same as any leadership that you may remember, it has to be authentic. Mm-hmm. It has to be relevant, and above all, it has to be compassionate. Mm-hmm. And as long as you can remember those three keys to working with the veterans and active military, because we work with both. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think those are that's your North Star to do that to your listening audience, to uh, those that are those that are out there listening uh, that that may be in a position to to want to work with other veterans. As long as they can maintain that, just like leadership, just like. You know, just like command presence, it's as, it's as real as that and as, as essential mm-hmm. as that. Mm-hmm. Well, I agree. Well, you got to have authenticity. you got to have integrity. And you got to be <laughs> have some sense of understanding. <laughs> you really do. That's it. Um, and That's it, it. it's core. It's essential. And, and for me and my experience with uh, the veterans I know, the active duty member, friends that I have that are continuing on in, in serving their, uh, this country, and, and we, are, we can see through a lot of nonsense because you just have to. You live on that – you live in, the, in that area, in that zone where you have to – where at one, one mistake mm-hmm. can cost you lives. And so you, you can – and so integrity is so important. Being truthful, being honest, being authentic. You can be human. You can make mistakes. That's okay. But that, I think, is absolutely critical. And I thank you for sharing that, Rick, because, you know, it's really important. Um, uh, because uh, sometimes the trust is broken, and we need to repair that trust. And we can only do that by being in integrity and, and being honest with the people that we work with. And our horses feel the same thing. Mm-hmm. They know. They have high, uh, we call it, uh, BTLs, uh, BS tolerance. <laughs> they will know. Right. They they will know right away if you're trying to hose them, man. <laughs> That's so true. They they, they don't li- they don't they don't live the lie. They live in truth. I mean, absolute truth, and they can feel and it. Mm. As Nancy said, you want to be present. You gotta you gotta be present with these guys because they will they accept nothing less. Mm. 
Well, could you go ahead, uh, expound a little bit more, Rick and Nancy, about this Cowboy Up program that you have here at Horses for Heroes? Again, for those of you who are just tuning in or caught the uh, the interview uh, here a little bit later in the program, it's at uh, horsesforheroes.com. That's uh, H-O-R-dot-org. No, I'm sorry, horsesforheroes.org. H-O-R-S-E-S-F-O-R-H-E. R O E S dot org. Uh, could you share what that uh, what the program is, please? Go ahead. Rick. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> very simple. Um, well, not very simple. Uh, a couple a couple things have occurred in the last twelve years, and we're the longest running program of its kind in the United States. Mm. Um, there's different modalities, as we said a little earlier. Um, that a, a lot of people are trying everything from uh, having a horse saddled up and having someone plop right on a horse and walking them around in a circle or having them in group and being on the ground and, um, you know, uh, uh, working with psychoanalysts in conjunction with that. Um, having said that, we don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, we we have a totally different modality. It's a working, a small working ranch. Uh, it's, it's in the middle of cowboy country out here in uh, Santa Fe County, New Mexico, sandwiched in between the Sangre de Cristos, the Cerrillos Tills, the Ortiz Mountains, and the Sandias, um, where they make all the cowboy movies. Mm-hmm. And many of our partners and our program partners have working cattle ranches, and uh, in fact, one of them is where they make all the uh, the TV movies, the Bonanza Creek Ranch. Oh, yeah. So, having having said that, we're right for getting people out, introducing them, as Nancy said earlier, em- embracing God's transcendent gift of the horse as the bridge between the physical and the spiritual world, and then working with work working with that animal as our as your four legged. Uh, counterbalance, uh, counterpoint to to what you're doing. Um, our, we start with a, a typical day. We start with grooming, uh, and grooming in the sense that not just getting it done as a task, but as Nancy calls it, it's almost like a Japanese tea. She spent time in Japan, and she says this is a Japanese tea ceremony. Mm. Wax on, yeah, yeah, wax yeah. off. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And so they start slowing <laughs> themselves down. Mm. One of the key components here is is down, down uh, downshifting, so to speak, leaving your electronic media, which we don't have here. Mm-hmm. We don't have TV. We don't have uh, big screen anything. Um, and then people are doing something that you and I used to do in the olden days, Charlie, from our ethnic backgrounds. It's called talking to, to each other. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I remember that. <laughs> Family meals. Yeah, I totally I remember. Know. Yeah, a little bit. You may remember that. <laughs> but actually, if, they're, yeah. if they really do well, I have my old game of checkers that I bring up from time to time and let them work with each other on that. Mm-hmm. But a typical day c- consists of starting with that those elements. Um, so once they do that, it, the pace is totally different than anybody, and we have a bunkhouse that we built for everybody. So we both have both a resident program and basically what you might call like a community college program, where veterans from the area and active military come from the surrounding area and come and join us, um, and then they go home at night, 
uh, and, and they participate in training in that fashion. Mm -hmm. So they can do it that way. But our resident program, where they come and stay and sit, or, uh, uh, you know, we, we ask them, and we tailor make everything. Mm -hmm. It's self-paced, outcome and objective-based, and everything we do, the beauty of this, our glossary is based on SOPs, anything that you might have done in the military. For instance, when we teach, uh, so this doesn't, uh, you're gonna learn American horsemanship here as part of the process. Mm -hmm. uh, it's task-oriented. The task conditions and standards, as you very well know from being in the military, um, are very similar to, to breaking things down. They start with, um, you know, the easy stuff first, mm -hmm. and that's getting from fam fire, getting in there mm -hmm. with, uh, with with the uh, with the horses inside the round pen, uh, moving from here, progressing from there into starting to learn about your equipment, your riding. Uh, so you're you're not. This isn't a you know, uh, a pony ride, as as one of our guys says, this ain't no pony ride. So 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 we work them through that. Uh, I cook every day for everybody. At noon. Mm. Uh, so Nancy will be breaking them down. And after we finish the good session uh, where it's empowering to them and what mm. they're actually learning, Charlie, is they're it's actually an ITC program. It's an instructor training program because that's what that's what they're actually doing because we're hopeful that what they learn is like special forces like we did in SF. Mm -hmm. See one, do one, teach one. Mm -hmm. So to have full uh, co cooperation and collaboration in the program, they matriculate through it and out and then become our cadre. Mm. Even before it's over, they, they'll start teaching one. So if you're the guy that shovels the other stuff, then that's what you uh, start out with. You right. teach that and pass that off right. to the spec four, so to speak, and then you move up the, ch the food chain right. to, to where you're, where you're a full-blown instructor. You know, cadre instructor. Right. So you're only a you're only a student here one time, and that's what we tell them from day one. I, know. I think it's brilliant. Uh, I mean, I think it's absolutely brilliant, and uh, being able to to learn some of those skills that are just so personable and innate to us, and you're working together as a team. You're helping to facilitate uh, growth and skill sets and grounding people down with the horses and helping them to feel the power and magnificence and, and, and just being able to help reduce and regulate their central nervous system and to bring it back. I think it's absolutely brilliant what you guys are doing over there. Um, really beautiful. Um, guys, this, we've got a few more minutes left before that goes by so fast. Um, and I just want to ask uh, a couple more questions. If you don't mind spending just a couple minutes past. Sure. Um, but I would love for you guys to, because it's so dedicated to veterans and their families, uh, what advice would you give uh, both of you, someone who's listening to this um, and who might be on the edge, uh, whose who's trauma-related injuries have brought them to the brink and they, and they don't know what to do? What, would you get, what advice would you give them? Um, I would start with somebody in crisis, you just, you know, that they can learn to do themselves if they're listening to this and find themselves there is get out of the thinking state, mm -hmm. get out of the thinking mind, which is, oh, helps to overwhelm us and to, because it's a temporary state. So they have to understand and maybe speak to self, 
This is a temporary state. This is not going to last forever. Like, remember, you've been on the pointy end of the spear before. Now, mm -hmm. that was life and death. This state of overwhelm and hopelessness isn't. So get in the body and do one thing different and, and move. I would say move. Get Either it's get up from the chair, walk, walk from room to room, something that is tactile because you want to get back into the body, mm -hmm. right? And it's really important. And outside of that, if one tends and knows they go to overwhelm or goes to the edge often, is to begin their practices, those well-being skills, you know, mindfulness, there's moving meditation. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to sit on a on a mat and and you know, go, oh <laughs> you don't have to <laughs> you know, it's wonderful right, right. and that's what we do work with, mm -hmm. but you have to wire these moments. And so, like I say, instead of, you know, 15 minutes a day, take one minute a day, focus on breath and make sure your exhale is longer than your inhale. Smooth, rhythmic breathing. The breath is there. And when I start working with breath tools with veterans, they know because they've experienced it on the shooting range, mm -hmm. right? Rest, right. breathe, relax, aim, sight, squeeze, at least the army and military, um, Marines. So it's really important, but you have to start wiring it in these skills so that they're there. And the beautiful thing is that that breath is there 24-7. It is indeed. And that's one of the things that was so important for me in my healing and recovery and overcoming some of those uh, injuries, those moral injuries that uh, I had experienced was getting connected to my breath, getting grounded, getting really present, breathing in, connecting to everything that we've been talking about in this show and, and the larger picture and, and recognizing that you're here for a reason and your life is valuable and that there are people out there who care about you and who want to help you. And please, if you, if this resonated with you, reach out to Nancy and Rick. They're amazing human beings, wonderful people. They will help you to achieve and to, to, to heal from these, uh, these invisible wounds that might be tormenting you. They, get, they, have this, they have the resources and the horses are magnificent. Um, I just want to close out here and thank again KUHS, uh, KUHSDenver.com. Uh, uh, we've been broadcasting here at the council for all over three years now. And thank you, Henry, for everything that you do for all of us. Uh, you are the, 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 you are the man and he's the one who keeps everything going for us. Uh, and we've got some amazing VDJs and programs and music. Uh, and we are being listened to by so many hundreds of thousands of people from around the world that are tuning in, uh, to this station. Thank you. All of you. KUHS, uh, broadcasting all around the world. And uh, thank you again to the Trauma Sensitive Awareness Foundation. The council is partnering up with them. This is part one of a special 10-part series that's running through July 24th through September 25th, filled with information, hope, inspiration, and healing. We're exploring cutting-edge treatments and alternative therapies, hearing pioneering veterans and mental injury experts, and finding hope for PTS, TBI, moral injury, sleep disturbance, family conflict, emotional trauma, and so much more. Part two debuts in November at www.t-saf.org. That's t-saf.org. 
Oh, Nancy, Rick, thank you so much for being with us today. I would like to ask, well, just before I close out all the shows here on the council, I always ask my guests if you could give one piece of advice, one bit of wisdom from your life experience, what would it be? Your mouth and listen. <laughs> I, I would that's have great. to. I would have to say that's that's beautiful. But I I want to I want to uh, quote Saint Paul, and he says, "Now faith is being certain of what we hope for, and sure of what we do not see." And if we can keep that in our minds, as our as again our north star, to always remember that there is hope great and grace within our faith and the things that we do we cannot see as nancy said earlier uh there is a way out of the darkness or into the light and those are the things and we love you charlie uh, you know uh just so that your listening audience knows uh i'm actually on the ranch holding the fort down and i didn't put nancy on the porch she's actually in <laughs> yeah, north carolina she is. taking care of a friend whose father just passed and so uh, that's how much we love you, man. We've got all these things going on, and we wanted to, and we believe in you. And we believe in what you're doing, and God bless you, brother. For thank, that. thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Oh, thank you guys so much for that. I and I thank you for, you know, joining me, Nancy, out there, and and during these challenging circumstances. And of course, Rick, love you guys, uh, and and thank you for for joining us today. Folks, well, we, this is the only way I get to see my wife, so it's great. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks for, thanks for the airspace. Man. Of course, of course. <laughs> folks, thank you so much for tuning in again to the council. The council is adjourned. May you all be well. May you all be free of pain and suffering. May you all be whole. Uh, we will be back uh, next week. God bless. <laughs>